Welcome to the Art of Getting Your Shit Together podcast, where each week we help you identify the bullshit that's holding you back and discover the courage to take action to create a life you love and enjoy. Hi, how are you? I'm good. (laughs) I was hangry and now I'm better. We're good. We just had a snack. Yeah. I forgot. I mean, my coffee keeps me full so long. And then when that wears off, you better watch out. It's instant. (laughs) You better get out of the way. (laughs) We were supposed to try to make that whipped coffee that everyone did you find? Did you find? When I sent Kyle to – well, I didn't send him. He offered to go to the store. I did not send him with that on the list, so I forgot about it. I have to go today, so I will look. See if they have instant coffee. Everybody on the internet is doing this whipped instant coffee thing, and it looks amazing. And I'm like, good luck finding instant coffee because now everyone wants to do this. I asked a friend, I said, how was it? And she said it was good. You know, and she made like a keto version of it because there's sugar in the recipe. She's like, I feel pressured to do it because of everyone doing it. I said, yes. Why is there social peer pressure right now for things? For me, it's like FOMO. I want to know what it's like. Well, yeah, if everyone's doing it and then it's good enough to post. Right after I'm not a foodie post. Our other friends, Melissa and Nadine, Nadine's like, have you guys had whipped coffee? <laughs> I said, you're the second person who's asked me this in 20 minutes. <laughs> it's comical. It is comical. You know why? Because none of us have anything else better to do right now than to sit there and look at everybody's Instagram things. Yeah. Whipped coffee has gone viral. No pun intended. Seriously. Anyway, what are we talking about today other than whipped coffee? Well, if whipped coffee is helping you out get through all this, then it could pertain to this, which we're talking about your emotional well-being with an emotional wellness checklist that we're going to walk through. There's 10 things that can enhance your emotional well-being according to UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center. That's where this came from. It sounds like hard facts. I'm a facts gal. I nerd out on this stuff like we talked about before with the myths, but I love it. One thing before we get started, a fact that if some of you didn't know this, and if you have an Alexa at your house, you can make Alexa fart in various fart sounds. And she names them, by the way. I didn't name them. I didn't name the fart noises that she makes. (laughs) But she literally asks, do you want me to do a hard fart? Which is what made me think hard facts. I'm like, oh, that reminds me of Alexa's hard farts. And then I'm like, what's a hard fart? Absolutely. Do a hard fart. (laughs) It was like a forced fart. (laughs) So So a loud, juicy fart. After we do the emotional checklist and you're done listening to this podcast, I want you to go home, make some whipped coffee, and then ask Alexa to fart. Yeah. And if it's your birthday, you can also ask her to sing you happy birthday. Yeah. That was a new discovery too. It looked kind of awkward or creepy. Was it creepy? Was it weird? Well, I mean, I think it's always awkward when someone sings you happy birthday, right? You're like, I I hate this. Hurry up and get it over with. But when it's your robot singing you happy birthday, I think the awkwardness kind of goes away a little bit. But I didn't even know it was a thing. Jake's just like, Alexa, sing me happy birthday. And she did. She can fart, sing happy birthday. And tell you the weather. I don't think she can make your whipped coffee for you, so you're going to have to do that yourself. But she could probably look up the recipe for you. I bet. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of robots, we have a situation at home where Avery is deathly afraid of robots. Okay. And this happened when I was up at my parents' house. 
a month ago, six weeks ago, before all this quarantine stuff happened, and they have a Roomba. Mom got the Roomba out, and Avery thought her life was ending that day. Wow. She thought the Roomba was going to suck her up, and she was never going to leave the existence of this robot. So anything that looks like a robot or that resembles a robot freaks her out. Hence, she has just yesterday has a phobia of her monitor camera that hangs on her wall in her room. She's had it since she was born. And just yesterday, she about damn near had a meltdown over this robot. No robot. The robot scares me. This can't handle the robot. I don't want the robot. (laughs) And I'm like, this is how mommy sees you. You know, it's okay. It is all consuming. Honestly, it's probably better that you don't have one because those robots, they spy on you. Yeah, everything does. Yeah. It's like TikTok, man. They know everything. They do know everything. They even looked up TikTok and all the information that they get from that app. Just don't do it. Don't look it up. It'll just scare you. Especially if you like TikTok. Just know that satellites from space can watch you masturbate in your living room. So, yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So how do I uh, take care of my emotions now that I'm all (laughs) fucked up? (laughs) Okay. So number one, label your stresses. I even brought this up a couple episodes ago because I see therapists and other experts talk about, you know, if you're stressed out, like label your emotions, label them, identify them, and then, you know, go towards what the thing that you want to feel, like how can you create that? So it says when you write or talk about stresses, you work through them and defang them. In one study with James W. Penbaker of University of Texas at Austin, people who wrote about traumatic experiences for four days were happier three months later and had fewer doctor visits six weeks later versus people who wrote down superficial topics. Wow. So that's pretty powerful. That's why people talk about journaling and the power of journaling. When you can identify what you're feeling and connect with it on a different level and then make a strategic plan to move towards something different if you're uncomfortable or, you know, in a place where you don't want to be, because being uncomfortable, you may be right where you need to be, let's be honest, but you can help move through that and then figure out the support. Yeah. You can build processes to process what you're feeling. I think too, I used to do the morning words, 750 words thing. And during that time, it's just amazing how your brain is just more clear, Mm -hmm. you know? And then when you, I imagine when you're writing these stresses and processing that alone just helps your brain see something tangible versus all of the intangible things that are in your head. Absolutely. You know, it's it's amazing what comes out. hard to see emotions, but if you name them and put them on paper, I imagine it becomes a little bit more real. It does become more real because if you're just thinking about them, think of how easily you distract yourself to move away from that. Uh huh. Let's numb out. Let's go look at social media. Let's go eat the thing. Let's go have a cocktail. Let's go do whatever. You're distracting yourself from it. So when you can make it more real and identify it, you're almost forced to face it. And just like with any goal, any plan, when you write it down and share it, or get the accountability you need, you're so much more likely to be able to work through it and achieve what you want. I love it. Number two, savor what is beautiful. Noticing and appreciating what you find aesthetically or philosophically beautiful, poems, nature, a favorite person, helps you feel awe, 
right? The awe emotion where you feel elated is linked to positive mental physical payoffs. And I think that everyone can kind of picture like their favorite space, their favorite person when they feel like time just flies by when they're, you know, at the certain location and they can just have that serenity. Mm -hmm. Number three, cultivate hope by imagining a best possible self. The idea not to focus on an unreachable fantasies, but to put yourself on the other side of a challenge, making success feel possible and helping clarify what will push you over the finish line. We talked about this a little bit on the last episode, really identifying and defining what maybe your best life looks like, what you want to be, what does self-love look like for you and being able to create that, share it. What does that look like for you? Could be anything. Yeah. Imagining is just doing brain work where you actually visualize is like so powerful. Yeah. Experts and especially athletes and people who perform visualize themselves in the motions, doing the things, winning what that feels like. Before I go on any stage to speak, I visualize myself up there captivating the audience, what my energy feels like and what that feels like after. Because if I just go up there, I'm just floundering around. I'm just kind of like, okay, this could go either direction. No, you know what direction you want to go in. So visualizing that just like you can visualize it tanking and you create all kinds of anxiety, you can do the opposite. Use your imagination wisely. (laughs) Yes. Because it's very powerful. It can be very scary. Yeah. That's what causes us anxiety because we have such a powerful brain to just exemplify any kind of thought into what it could look like in our reality. Which is usually never. It never ends up panning out. Worst case. My brain goes into worst case scenario a lot. Like tragic things. Yeah, you get real weird. I'm like, holy shit. Like your thoughts get real dark sometimes. Not dark in the sense that like I'm worried about you, but I'm like, holy shit. How did you even get there? Yeah. (laughs) Death is around the corner at any moment <laughs> <Yeah>. for me. <laughs> or my like I or your I, dreams. Yes. Yeah, your dreams are fucked up. They are fucked up. Kyle's like, where does your brain go? He's like, why can't you have like normal dreams like sex fantasies or what? And, and I'm like, I that's don't, normal. First and of I'm all, like, I don't need to have a wet dream every night to be normal. I don't think that's normal one. But yeah, they're not ever like this whimsical fantasy. It's like really. Not a, it's not a nice place. My brain isn't always the best place to be in. <laughs> My unconscious, specifically. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> too many murder shows. Yeah, too many, too many experiences at the funeral home and my um love for discovery ID and forensic files. But anyway, the next one, number four. Think of three good things in your life. And I learned this in coach training. This was a practice that we had to do every day before class. We had to write down three positive things that happened to us already in like the first hour of our day to really learn how to practice gratitude and to find meaning in the mundane, so to say, right? To really show what to, and express that and write it down and identify that. But it says writing down what you're grateful for each day. From the small, a cell phone call from a friend to the large, good health, is linked to to a boost in positive emotions, the more detail you use, the better. I love that so much. And a good gratitude practice, I think, is just a really amazing way to stay present, to 
bring yourself kind of back to a, a sense of reality when your mind wanders or your anxiety is very high because of this wild imagination we have stay grounded go back to gratitude yep number five practice loving kindness meditation and you can talk about meditation i'm not a big meditator i like breath work which we're going to talk about in a second but this practice in which you breathe deeply and focus on people in your life, including yourself and those you dislike, <laughs> while sending good wishes, boosts positive emotions, and helps you view suffering as an opportunity to feel compassion. Experts suggest meditating daily for 30 minutes, but you start small and then build from there. Yeah. <sighs> meditation is one of the hardest things I've ever done in the sense that you have to make the time for it and you always feel like you're doing it wrong. And if you feel like you're doing it wrong, there is no wrong, which is really hard, by the way. <laughs> to rationalize. <laughs> it is. It's really hard. However, if you do it consistently, I, like, I'll just say like do it for a week and just notice how you feel. So when we were learning TM, Transcendental Meditation, our TM teacher would ask us, you know, how are you feeling? Do you notice anything different? And the guy who I, because it was two of us in a class, the guy next to me is like, no. And I said, actually, yeah, I'm not flying off the handle and triggered to go from like zero to 100 as frequently as I normally would be. And maybe, I don't know what the words for that are on edge. But yeah, I think meditating is, it's hard to do, but if you do it, you will understand the rewards if you can do it consistently. Yeah. I started doing it years ago and I hardly ever do it now, but I downloaded Headspace. Headspace. Yes. And it's just a five minute. That's what got me. It's just five minutes. I have five minutes, right? Tony Robbins says, what? You don't have 10 minutes for yourself. You don't have a fucking life, but that's the truth actually. Yeah. Which I believe wholeheartedly. But I'm like, okay, I, I can do five minutes. And I would shut my door in my office, the office I was working at the time, and I would sit in my chair and I would do it. And it felt great. And then I did the 10, you go up to 10 minutes. And then I started doing it a little bit more. And I would just do it on my own or I'd like download something on YouTube where it was like just some peaceful sounds and music, or even if maybe it was a guided meditation, just to have a little bit of an escape. Mm -hmm. And I always felt better. I think one of the obstacles too is when you're doing it, you may not feel like you're doing it right, but it's justifying time to do it because you always feel like you should be doing something else. Not always. When you're learning it, you're like, okay, and you're not really feeling the benefits of it right then. It's a practice just like a lot of things are, and you can feel the benefits if you continue to do it, but it's you have to schedule it. You have to plan for it. And I'm going to tell you that a couple things. Number one, if you do not have even five minutes to do this, you need this. Yeah. And definitely. if you can't, and you might be one of these people, I know for sure there are many people who are like this, but if the thought of spending even five minutes being still makes you squirm, if you're a little bit of ADD brain, you need this. Yeah. Because that's part of what it teaches you. 
is that you can have thoughts and you can have impulses of, oh, I got oh, I got this. When I meditate, half the time I'm like, okay, I got to do this, I got to do this. Most of the time I'm thinking about a to-do list. But what it does is it teaches you, okay, you had a thought, let go of the thought, come back to yourself. Let go of the thought, come back to yourself. That's what meditating is. That is meditation. Mm-hmm. Having thoughts, letting go of your thoughts. Having thoughts, letting go of your thoughts. And eventually, if you do it often enough, you have less thoughts and you have more of just falling into yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. And you become less reactive. Oh, yeah. Because you're not constantly reacting on a thought. You can let it go and you don't always feel like you need to respond. It's like feelings. We don't necessarily need to run away. We feel something because of a thought, but we don't need to necessarily run away from the feeling or just go the opposite direction. Feelings are made to feel and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And it's uncomfortable, just like meditation and sitting with your thoughts and what your mind may cultivate. That could be terrifying for some people, but it's healing. It's like defragging your computer. Remember when we used to have to defrag computers? If there are anyone younger than us, probably that completely is lost on you. But when home computers first came out, you still have to like run this thing on a Windows computer that was like defrag. And it would put all of the data back in its rightful bucket in the computer. And then your computer ran so fast for like 15 minutes. <laughs> and it was amazing. You're defragging your brain. Oh, it's funny. so good. It's like mental flossing. It's mm-hmm. so good, guys. It's so good. Try it. Take it from someone who does it, which is Jenna. <laughs> I do it. It's, and it's it hard tremendously. I don't do it all the time, but I know when I need it and... We'll talk about more of what I do too in just a moment. All right. Number six, reappraise negative events. Recasting emotional beliefs about distressing events, especially those outside your control, can help you cope. Think about how things could be worse or find a silver lining to lessen the negative emotional impact. Does that make sense? Are we putting on rose-colored glasses? (laughs) I think it's more of if it happened – it happened. Yeah. We're not Stop. trying to make it better than it was or worse than it was. Yeah. We're looking at it for face value. And then we're taking what we either learned from it or want to in what to change and applying it. A lot of times we always want to look in the past for answers, but sometimes they're not there either. Like and what I mean by that is, is that some of our lessons and some of our limiting beliefs come from our past and the things that we've experienced and that they're necessarily not helpful. They could be good for survival, but not for growth. And so if you, I guess I'll just throw this out there with some caution. If you really have a hard time moving from your past or you're really living heavily in what has happened to you and that causes you know a lot of pain, a lot of ache. A lot of, sometimes I hate to label it, but as a victim, seek help, get support through that. So you can finally move through that rather than recreating what it is because it's already happened. We can't recreate it. It's happened, but we're constantly reliving it in our mind. If you're living in your past, you can never live in your present. If you're reliving who you were, who you wish to be, you're not living who you are now. So how could you ever achieve what you want if you're constantly either forecasting what could be or what you want, but you're still living in the past because you'll never get what you want if you're still back there. Does yeah. that make sense? Makes I just kind of went sense. off on whole No, thing, it, but. it was great. It was very well said. 
Okay, next one. Seek out connections. All social interactions from chit-chat with strangers to marathon calls with your best friend can boost happiness according to God knows how many re- <laughs> how much research. We need connection. And that could be in-person connection. That could be a phone call. Maybe it's just reaching out to one person a week, one person a month. Zoom happy hours. Zoom happy hours, game nights. It could be, there's just so many ways you could connect. And right now we're living in a world of social distancing, but really it's physical distancing, but we can still have the social aspect. That part of it doesn't have to go away. I know the importance of in-person connection and I need that in my life, but that doesn't mean I can't be social when I can't see someone, mm-hmm. right? It's just like if I were to be shipped off for my job and I would be gone for a month, so to say, it's not that I'm not going to be social or connect with the people at home. Right. It's, you know, you you have to make it work for you, but. No, I think that's. Always seek out I, the Well, and I think too, especially <laughs> we still found creative ways around, not around, but to social physical distance and have social time right now. Mm-hmm. You can still do that. You know, I think that's okay. I know the first week that everybody was basically in quarantine, we did a neighborhood social distance happy hour. We don't have a very busy neighborhood street. So we mm-hmm. kind of all stood in the street six feet apart. It looked funny. Like if you were to take a picture of us, we looked like a bunch of people just wandering so far apart, but we it was nice. It was nice to be able to talk to people and, you know, the only thing that sucked is I'm a hugger and I couldn't like love on my people, but yeah. whatever. It was nice to see humans in human form and not over the computer. Yes. It still did feel good. Like you and Lindsay and I had a social happy hour on Zoom. And it was great just and to catch up. it was so up. great. So yeah, find your people. Yeah. I also hosted a girls bingo night. Oh, that sounded like it was so much fun. It was fun. It was a little hairy at first because of the connectivity and people had to like download their bingo cards and there were, I thought it was very clear with my directions. <laughs> and then some people still struggled with some stuff and it was it was really comical. But once we got going, it was it was fun. Yeah. And we did three rounds and there was a prize who won bingo and all things you could deliver. One was like an Amazon gift card, which you can just send over email or text message. Crumble cookies, dropping off like a, a case of their favorite beverage, like White Love Claw that. or a box of beer, a case of beer, whatever. Anyway, it was fun. It was a good time. Yeah, use your creativity. Yeah, you just kind of mix. And mixing it up like that is fun too. It's like it gave us ideas because those girls all do Bunko once a month and I participate here and there, but it kind of gave us more ideas for other events and stuff that we could do with couples where it's just like, you know, people can hang out, but then you can still have like people playing games over here to make it fun for little social gatherings. I love it. Anyway. Okay. Do mindful breathing to calm stress. I think this is my big thing. I think most people have heard of box breathing where you inhale for four, hold for four, exhale for four, pause for four, and you continue to do that. Just a simple breathing exercise or just taking a deep breath and just getting back in touch with yourself so you can be responsive and not reactive or just to process information or if you're just really wound up just to kind of unwind just for a moment to gain some clarity and to feel whole again can really help in any kind of situation throughout your day. 
It's the easiest one for me to go to. I practiced it constantly when I was leading a big team. And just before any kind of conversation, I would just really take a moment to be still. Mm -hmm. Because then I just had a whole different level of energy that was engaging and I felt like was approachable for the other person as well. Yeah. Remember at Tony Robbins when we did the breathing exercises and we all felt lightheaded? Yeah. And he's like, that's because you actually have oxygen in your brain (laughs) and how different we felt. And it's more aggressive. It's like you hold your arms. Yeah. His is like, if you look up Tony Robbins, I don't even know what it's called. I'll put it in the show notes. It's called something. But that thing, but truly it was like oxygen rich brain environment and you are walking on a cloud. It's very strange, but it also felt really good. Yeah. And if anyone who's done Bikram yoga and has done the breathing exercises, at the beginning of that also knows what that kind of feels like with the huge inhale and the really intentional, like exhale. <sighs> it's intense. Okay. Next one, get some distance from anger, fear, and sadness. Self-distancing can break a cycle of negative self-talk by moving us to a more beneficial emotional perch. Visualize how a neutral third party might view a situation or focus on how you'll feel about it in a month or five years. This is called temporal distancing. This mental time travel helps us recognize that we won't be mired in a negative mood forever. I do that. Is this going to matter in five years? Is this going to matter in... Yeah. Sometimes going that far is like, well, come on, nothing's going to matter in five years. But is this going to matter in five hours? Yeah. Truly, I was listening to a Brendan Burchard podcast just recently, and he was talking about that. Like, is this going to matter in a year, a month, an hour from now? What is the impact that it has? And truly taking kind of like a bird's eye view and looking down on yourself and saying, what does this mean? What does this really mean? And what meaning are, are we putting on it? Yeah, that's important. All right. And last one, number 10. Do an awe walk. So awe, right? You're awe-inspired. Tune into the positive sights, sounds, and smells in your environment as you walk slowly and engage in a deep breathing. So new data from USC San Francisco show that older people who do awe walks versus regular walks are healthier. Wow. This makes sense to me. Again, it's It's, connecting in a different way. Does it have to do with being like present and aware? Yeah. And instead of just like, oh, thinking about. And a lot of retreats, they do walking meditations. This is what that reminds me of. And many experts, including Dr. Myers, says that who we had on recently, who is our naturopath, says that getting outside in the sunlight, like looking up towards the sun, not looking at the sun, but up towards the sun and putting your feet on the earth, grounding yourself can be very healing. And so having that connection in nature, I think that's why people love hikes too. Like you're just engulfed in a different environment and your surroundings. Just Sedona and do another hike. Yes. That was so good. Right? So those kinds of experiences. And again, if you don't have like a trail that's like behind your home or, you know, you have to go the distance to do it when you are there, take the time to do it. But again, it's going back to kind of finding that meaning in the mundane. What can you take in? If you can be more present, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you smelling? And not taking those things for granted. What are three things that you're grateful for during that walk in your neighborhood? What are they? Connect with that. 
So you can kind of compile these different emotional items to compile from your checklist into different areas, but they kind of overlap in some way. So it's kind of all I got there, but I love it. I thought this was a great reminder to stay grounded, stay connected. And just like tending to your self-love and loving yourself and putting yourself first, you have to tap into that emotional well-being as well. Cause that's part of it. Oh, for sure. That was part of the three, right? Physical, mental, and emotional. Absolutely. And any tools you can put in your tool belt are going to serve you better than having nothing to draw on. Yeah. And some things you're like, I would never do that. Why not? Try it on. See if it works. You might surprise yourself. It's true. Try to meditate. (laughs) It's a challenge. There's a reason why so many people say to meditate. You hear about it all the time and there's a fucking reason for it. I'm trying not to make this a meditation podcast, but I will tell (laughs) you that every time I get back into my practice, because I fall off the horse just like everybody else does, so many good things happen to me because I believe it's like my connection to the universe or God or whatever it is that you believe. That's my gateway to the thing that's bigger than you. It is. Some people pray. That's great. Meditation is my type of meditation. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. So try it out or any of these things. So good. Thank you. Thank you for giving us tools to put in our emotional tool belt. I love it. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm doing a little (laughs) shoulder shimmy jig. (laughs) Okay. I love feel good things. Me too. And a lot of these things too, I'll say that I've used some of these things not even realizing that, oh, this is an emotional, I was tending to my emotional needs and, um, it just works. It's just so good. Do you know what else would fill up our emotional wellness cup? Whipped coffee, whipped coffee and reviews. Oh yeah. Five-star reviews. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That would be so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And so like what Jeremy Scott says, don't be a lazy ass and go give us a review. (laughs) You're on your phone already. It's right there. Yeah. Um, but truly, Take care of yourself. Join us in the VIP Facebook group. We're in there. Share even some of the things that fill up your emotional wellness bucket. What do you do to tend to those things? And if you tried any of these 10 items that we talked about today, tell us. Tell us how they went for you. Share it because sometimes when we share and other people do it, it kind of cascades and has a really positive effect on others. Well, if she did it, then I can do it. 100%. So sometimes it just takes one. Not just us. It's not always the teacher. No, No, we're also the learners. Yes. So we want to learn from you too. Absolutely. So we'll see you there and then we'll see you next week. Perfect. Talk to you then. The Art of Getting Your Shit Together is produced and edited by LD Coaching and Blush Cactus Boutique Design Studio. We would love it if you'd head over to iTunes and subscribe, leave us five stars and write a quick review. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with your friends so that we can continue to grow our tribe. Tag us on Instagram at tagist underscore podcast with your shares, and we'll feature you on our story. Don't forget to grab our free guide, five things you can do right now to get your shit together and start living your best life over at tagist.com slash kick more ass. Remember, your life only gets better when you decide to grow, and it's never too late to get your shit together.